We've all heard the phrases, two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back. We resonate with these lines because we all know that that's how it goes pretty often in life. You make some progress toward a goal, but then something comes along and you go backwards a little or a lot. Mistakes we make, obstacles we encounter, setbacks we experience, it can all make the lines of our lives more of a zigzag than a straight line of progress. Growth in discipleship can be like that too. And today on Groundwork, we will explore just that. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And uh, Daryl, this is now the third episode in a four-part series we're doing on growth in discipleship. We began the series considering kind of what it means to drink spiritual milk, kind of when we're in the infancy stage with Jesus. Second program, we talked about the need to mature, uh, to move from spiritual milk to spiritual meat and what that means. But now, today, Daryl, we want to think about setbacks that can occur that actually cause us to go backwards. Uh, yes, setbacks. So if, if for anybody who thinks that walking with Jesus is a straight line up onto glory, I, I'm sad to disappoint you, but it is not that way. There's uh, mountain highs and valley lows, topsy-turvy sometimes. And when you're walking with Jesus, you sometimes lose your way. And it's important for us to know that God knows that that process is part of it. And we need to make sure that we normalize that so people don't feel like, oh, man, I lost my faith if something wrong goes wrong. All right. Yeah. Now, in the final episode in this four-part series, the next program, we're going to talk about kind of like when genuine tragedy strikes, when something beyond our control happens and it throws us off kilter or it disorients us. So that'll be the final program. But for this one, Daryl, we want to talk more about kind of the things we do, <laughs> the mistakes we make sometimes that actually cause us to stall out or regress and go backwards a little bit. Are you saying that I make mistakes, Scott? Wait a minute. I'm not saying it about you, but I can say it about me. And most people I know, maybe you're the exception. I don't no, know. I'm only kidding. Yeah. I do make mistakes in this walk with Jesus, my wife would tell you. Yeah. But it's, it's actually <laughs> important for us to know that there is a way that God can address the things that we drop the ball on, the things that we make mistakes with. He's not looking for us to be perfect, but he's looking to perfect us in a walk with him. Exactly. And before we close out this program, we're going to kind of talk about how that all goes and how God himself responds to our goofs and to our, our own self-inflicted setbacks. But as we start the program, Daryl, we want to think about a very famous setback by somebody who was perhaps uh, one of the closest disciples Jesus ever had, one of the lead apostles who emerged as the leader of the early church after Pentecost, and that's the apostle Peter. Now, some of our listeners are probably thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that time that he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, you know, the night. Right. And that was bad. That, that, that was a bad mistake. But we actually want to go to something that happened even later, after Pentecost, after he had been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and he still ended up doing something that made him go backwards. So after his restoration, after Jesus says, feed my sheep, and then after he has this powerful speech in Acts chapter 2, yep. he actually does have more things that happened. So we thought that he was going to ride off into the sunset, is spiritually speaking, but we realized that there are more issues with his life. Exactly. One of the things that we find out early on in the book of Acts after um, Pentecost is that the disciples themselves, the apostles now, 
kind of thought that following Jesus was going to stay a, a Jewish thing, that it was going to be the chosen people of God, people with an Israelite heritage, a, a Jewish background. But uh, in Acts chapter 10, there's this well-known story of uh, Peter being in the city of Joppa, and he has this vision on the roof. He's up there sunbathing yep. or well, I don't know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> but, but he has a vision, and God lets down this sheet filled with all the animals that Israel had never eaten because Leviticus said they were unclean. And yet God tells Peter, take and eat. And Peter then says, you know, kind of what's going on here? And God says, you know, I'm declaring clean the things that we once thought were unclean. And it quickly, Daryl, shifts from not just food, but to people. So that is an interesting thought because God's idea for the Israelites to be cross-cultural missionaries, if you will, that mm -hmm. is not a new thought. But the thought was lost on the Israelites with that thought. Well, we're special because God chose us, but they didn't realize that that was the original plan. So when God gives Peter this vision in Acts chapter 10, then he's reminding them that this has always been part of the master plan, that all people will be joining in, Jews and Gentiles alike. And that's why it's also significant, Daryl, that this happens in the city of Joppa, which is the city Jonah fled to when he didn't oh, want to yes. go include the Ninevites, right? So Peter's getting the same message Jonah had to get, I'm here for all people. And let's, So then Peter uh, has this vision, and no sooner does the vision end, and there's a knock on the door, and it's a contingent of people from a Roman Gentile named Cornelius who are going to invite Peter over. Peter goes with them because he kind of figures God just told him he had to. And he goes there. He preaches to these people, these Italians, you know, these Romans, and the Spirit comes on him. And Peter has an interesting reaction starting in verse 34. Let me read that in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Moving to 44. While Peter was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I wish that were sort of the end of the story for Peter on this because that's wonderful, right? I mean, yes. major, major paradigm shift and worldview change for him. God's people now includes the Gentiles, and he accepts them. He stays with them. He probably eats the non-kosher food they served him. Eating pork right? chops and everything. That's right, pizza. But unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. So now we need to go to Galatians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul caught Peter in a moment of, you know, one step forward, two steps back, where Peter regressed. And so starting at verse 11 in Galatians 2, Paul says, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when these other Jews arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid." The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. 
And when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs and so forth? So basically, Paul confronts Peter and, and yells at him. And he's pretty blunt here. He's saying, you are being a hypocrite. How did that happen to Peter? It's interesting because the Jews that came from wherever they came from, the history on this, scholars call them Judaizers who were mm-hmm. coming to pressure and make sure that everyone's following the law of Moses, even Gentiles need to be circumcised according to these people. And the peer pressure for Peter must have been tremendous mm-hmm. because he's out here living for Jesus. He's out here preaching the gospel, but then he's far from home. Right. So then the customs are different and there's a different way to live. And the problem is, I think he fell off into some pressure. Yep. It happens to us. It happens. Uh, So here's a setback in his own growth as a disciple. If it can happen to an apostle, it can happen to anybody. And we're going to talk about that next. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And uh, Daryl, we just saw the example of Peter's failure to follow through and be consistent with what he knew was the truth about Jesus and the gospel. And, you know, Daryl, I think uh, we can all identify with that because it's an unfortunate truth that sometimes we act differently when we're with different people. So there's this story, and I don't know where it comes from, about a chameleon who changes colors Mm. so often that he forgets his original color. Mm. So that the problem is when you're hanging around different people, what color are you going to be? If you don't have an integrity that's going to keep you who you are, the pressure that Peter had is that he changed colors when the Jews came, changed colors when the Gentiles came. Yep. The Bible has a a very devastating word for that, and it's hypocrisy. A hypocrite uh, in the Greek world was an actor, and uh, because all actors were male, sometimes if they played females, they had to hold a mask in front of their face, right? So it's a false front. That will never do for a disciple, right? We need to be true blue to Jesus right on through to our hearts. But like you said, Daryl, we can all be chameleons. We know in our hearts, maybe, all people bear the image of God, and yet we fall in with certain people uh, in our life, and all of a sudden we're laughing at racist jokes that they're telling. Or maybe we even tell a racist joke ourselves. Or, you know, as a Christian, we know that all women are made in God's image and are our sisters in Christ, and yet fall in with the wrong crowd, going after work for a drink or something, and all of a sudden you're doing this, what they call locker room talk, and you're making sexist comments and derogatory comments about women. That is kind of being a hypocrite. It's a setback in our growth as a disciple. I think it's painful when you realize that you did that Mm. because you know it was totally against being a disciple and following Jesus. It's the opposite of what you professed when you made your profession of faith. It's the opposite of what you said you would want to be about. And when you want people to look at you, you want them to think you're a disciple who's intentional. But then you get caught up in the pressure. It could Mm -hmm. be fear. It could be pride, whatever those things are. But the good news is that God understands why we do what we do, and he can help us to get 
get it right at any time, but we need to be honest about where we are and name that place. Exactly. And knowing but not consistently doing what's right. This is something the Apostle James was really concerned about. And I, I, we assume, I, I guess, that James wrote about this as much as he did because he knew the people, the Christians to whom he was writing, were struggling with this also. Yes. So let's listen to a few verses from James 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless." Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Man, he hits us right between the eyes with that one because we need to understand. To me, it's ridiculous for you to go in the mirror and look at yourself and then forget what you look like. Right. And just like that, he's making the comparison. It's ridiculous for you to say, I'm listening to the law, but not putting it into practice. And Jesus made a reference to that. He said the wise people are the ones who do the law, and they're the ones who are building their house on the rock, as opposed to the foolish ones who don't put it into practice. Exactly. Yeah. So you look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I got a smear of mustard on my face. Walk away and forget and go the rest of your day with the mustard on your face. It's embarrassing. Why did you look in the mirror in the first place if you're not going to do anything about what you see? So that's what James really wanted, and that's why, Daryl, as we were saying a minute ago, If we're chameleons, if we are different in front of different people and engage regularly in activity that we know is unchristlike, we can't grow, right? We're going to stall out. And this is the thing that really challenges me. It's not about one or two things in a behavior that God wants us to change. It's about a lifestyle that he wants to see. Just like the example of, uh, I think you had this example once before, where if you're on a diet, you can't just eat a snack today and then try to go hard and do the diet for three days and then do a snack again that you know is totally not healthy for you because you need a consistent pattern to help you change. That's a lifestyle requirement. Exactly. Yeah, you can't diet three days a week and go off four days a week. It didn't work at all. And and James warns about being polluted by the world in that last verse from James 1 that we just read. But of course, most Christians don't think that that means a total withdrawal from the world, right? What was it, the Puritans who said, you know, you need to be in the world, but not of it, right? And being able to do that is itself the mark of a mature disciple, I think. So Munger wrote this book called Christ and Culture. And in that book, he's explaining these different levels of how Christians interact with the culture around them. So I think that as Christians, we need to understand that God hasn't pulled us out of this world. We're still living in it. And yet we have to navigate it in a way that is honoring to him. That is possible with his help. So we become discerning. Right. We look at things th- with a critical eye. We look at things through the, the, the lens of Jesus. Right. And figure out. So I'm not totally withdrawing from the world. I'm not going to not have a TV. But if I consistently watch this kind of show, it's going to slow me down in getting more like Jesus. If I continue to absorb this, then I'm going to stall out. I'm going to I'm going to regress. And so it's not that I never watch TV, but I'm critical and discerning about what kind of TV I watch. 
So there's a scripture that Paul talks about where it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial for mm. us. So we have to understand what actual benefit will it be to watch that show or to go there to eat this or to do that. It's not about do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch because we have the freedom in Christ to do whatever we want to do. However, it has to be under a modicum of honoring God. It has to be under the disciple and ambassador role that we're carrying. So we got to be careful and discerning. And that doesn't happen by myself. As a disciple, I need a team of people around me to help me discern that. That's exactly right. Accountability groups and uh, mentors and, uh, yep, those things are are more important than we are spiritual directors, right? Yes. Uh, in some parts of our tradition, the Reformed tradition anyway, the idea of a spiritual director seems kind of foreign, but it's not a bad idea at all. And, you know, we want to get to the point, I think all of us, where we say, you know, 10 years ago, I would have laughed at a racist joke like that just to be polite, but I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to tell a joke like that. And if somebody tells it to me in my presence, I'm going to tell them I'm offended and I don't want to be have any part of it. That would be, you know, a sign of, of, Progression. of growth. Yep, yes. Exactly. Unfortunately, we, we do have those mistakes. And you were saying earlier, Daryl, uh, then what, right? Uh, what do we do when we mess up? What does God do when we mess up? And as we close uh, the program, we want to kind of end on that kind of a pastoral note of what happens when we mess up and how does God put us back on track? So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we're wrapping up this third program, Daryl, on a four-part series on growth and discipleship. And this program has been all about things we do, mistakes we make, bad habits we fall into that stall out or actually cause us to go backwards in our walk. We thought about how that happened to Peter uh, and how he sometimes became a kind of an apostolic chameleon, right? He, he acted different in front of one group as opposed to the other. And unfortunately, the way he behaved in one group was sinful. Uh, it, it was wrong. And we just talked about how we all do that too. So then the question becomes, Daryl, then what? Is there any hope to get back on a track to growth? So it's important for us to know that somehow in God's wisdom and his divine providence, he has factored in all the mistakes that we're making, all the problems, all the setbacks. So for us that are walking linearly, we have we think it's a step backwards, but it actually doesn't have to be because our God is gracious and our God is interested in being the author and the finisher of our faith. But he also is interested in helping us sustain it. So in his grace and mercy, he's able to help us. So the short answer is yes, Scott. Yeah, and so we, we, we just need to remember some basic gospel truths. In fact, at one point, uh, when Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he tells us very simply what the purpose of the whole gospel is. It, it was one of these trustworthy sayings that were circulating in the early church, and Paul would kind of approve of them. And one such saying that Paul said, yep, that nails it is, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 
and that's us. So, so God is gracious. God was gracious to Peter. He forgave him, you know, after Paul confronts him, and he's gracious to us. We have to be able to confess our sins to God. We have to be honest about it. I just wanted you to know, Scott, that there's no way that I can make it each day without that grace, mm. without being able to come to God and ask for forgiveness and to be able to repent for the things I did wrong. There's no way I could function. There's no way I could move forward. Yep. Yeah. What's that line? I think in Romans where Paul says that uh, talks about God's grace. And then he says, in which we now stand. Yes. In other words, we're, we're marinating in grace. We're, we're neck deep. Thank God in grace. Yes. Grace is where we live. But, you know, in first uh, John one, uh, John has some words about all of this. Uh, he says, you know, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I think, Scott, it's most important for us to know with this verse is that sin is part of the equation no matter what. Hmm. That the sin is there. The problem is if we don't confess the sin, if we don't acknowledge that we actually have sin, now we have a problem, Houston. We really do have a big problem. Denying that we really have this issue going on in our lives is something that God would like to address. And there's no way to move forward if you don't acknowledge you got it going on in your life. Yeah. So this is maybe a little a paradox, a juxtaposition or something, where it's not a sign of being an immature disciple that you have to confess your sins a lot. It's a sign that you're mature. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah. Isn't that something? Because you don't want to lie to God. I mean, all of us who are parents or grandparents or, you know, if we've got nephews and nieces we're close to or something, of course, we're never happy if a kid does something wrong. But you can forgive that, right? Uh, they throw a baseball through a window. You know, you can forgive that. We'll replace the window. But what always, you know, made me tighten up is if they lie to me about it. Oh, right? yes. It's not so bad that you did something wrong, but don't lie to me about it. And I think God feels the same way. I think that to make excuses and provisions for our sins is something that I don't think our holy God will tolerate. Um, but when we're able to own it and, and actually say, yes, this was me, I did this, now there's room for you to grow. I think that actually lets people know that we're depending on God to help us in the problem when we're able to name it. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, for now, as we live between the times and the already and the not yet, the kingdom hasn't fully come. We've not been fully sanctified or transformed yet. For now, our lives are uh, an ongoing series of dying and rising with Christ. Uh, we die to self, we repent of our sins, and then we come alive again. But not just coming alive to say, well, good, that's done, I'm forgiven. But to, to arise, to determine to do better next time, right? Uh, that's part of what it means to grow as a disciple too. So when I was a kid, Scott, I used to watch G.I. Joe, the cartoon. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they'd always have this moral thing that you should do. Mm -hmm. But then the kid would say, now I know. And then the G.I. Joe would say, well, knowing was half the battle. But then they would make me crazy because I want to know what the other half was. Mm -hmm. In the scripture here, we see that knowing that you did the sin is half the battle. The other half is to get up and to do something about it, to choose to go a different way. So you have to have the knowing and you have to put this into practice to change your life. Right. So it's an ongoing process. And that's true of anybody, even the apostles. In fact, Paul talked about this in Philippians 3. Right here, it says, not that I've already obtained all this or that I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So it's a race, uh, and when Paul, you know, often uh, compares us to being an athlete in training, we're always going to be in training, right? We're not going to yes. get to the goal of, of complete Christ-likeness, this side of glory. But the main thing is you, you just keep on going. You just keep on going, and you keep on going. You stumble, you fall, as we've been thinking about here, but then you, by grace, God picks you back up, and you keep on going. To keep pressing on is the goal to continue to walk with Christ. The goal that God has called us heavenward to, and to that we all say, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. We hope you'll join us again next time as we close out our series on discipleship by digging into Scripture to help us better understand what discipleship looks like when we experience tragedy or crises that threaten to shatter our faith. We have a website. It's groundworkonline.com. Please visit it, share what Groundwork means to you, or give us ideas for future Groundwork programs. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 